Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, I am super hyped to have my uh, guest on today, Braxton Martinez in the Angels organization. Braxton, how you doing, bro? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's uh, been a long time coming. <laughs> yeah, it has I been. Know. We've been fighting some scheduling conflicts for sure, but I'm glad uh, glad we're able to work it out. Yeah, and it's funny because we were both um, – we were both in in California in the Bay Area at the same time, but uh, it just didn't work out. You were leaving as I was getting there. I, I didn't even know you were in the Bay Area. What brought you to the Bay? Um, so my fiance, she was a women's soccer coach at St. Mary's in Moraga. Yep, yep. Um, so after the season, after I got done in uh, Pasco, Washington, flew back down to San Bernardino to get my car because I was in San Bernardino when I got called up to Tri-Cities uh, and then drove straight up there and we were there from September till last week of January and then she took a new job so now we're in St. Louis. Yeah man there's nothing there's nothing like the Bay Area especially when you come back here to the Midwest and I think we had a, an ice storm and then we had like a some snow just this past evening so it's just man, it makes you really miss miss the Bay Area and and the weather. <laughs> yeah, you're you're not kidding, man. This this weather right now is not it. But you you grew up in St. Louis, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, at what point did you start playing baseball, and uh, at what point did you realize that you were pretty good at it? Um. So I I think I I was pretty attached at a super young age. Um always wanted to play, always wanted to do something baseball related. Um, I guess when I started to realize I was good at it and I felt like I could have a future in it, mm-hmm. um, was like in, in probably, probably in high school after my sophomore junior year of high school, when I was like, okay, I, you know, I, I feel like I could make it to a, to college and then hopefully, you know, make it to pro ball eventually but i would yeah. say <clears throat> i mean i've always been in love with the game uh like it's just been a, a pure passion of mine forever um but kind of when i f- realized i could make a career out of it i was in later on in high school and in early stages of college but no I, I used to pitch back in back in the day and then uh once everybody you know learned how to hit a 84 mile an hour fastball my uh, my pitching days were were far behind me so who was who was some of your favorite players growing up then? I mean, as an infielder, uh, who who was somebody you looked up to? Um, so, oh, sorry. Um, You're good. For me, be, being in St. Louis, when I was a, a little guy, 
uh, Mark McGuire was always the guy, right? Um, you know, Big Mac going to the games. He was, you know, if you if you went to a Cardinal game and he didn't hit a home run, you felt like you, you got robbed of your money. Um, so Mark McGuire for sure when I was a little kid. And then as I was coming up, I mean, we had Albert Pujols here. And it was just like, you know, I mean, everybody who's in baseball knows what kind of career he had when he was in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And it was just – I got to watch that live probably 20 times and it was just like absolutely incredible. So I'd say between, you know, Pujols, McGuire, uh, Scott Rowland, guys like that who were with the Cardinals, you know, back in the day, I guess. Uh, those guys really made me, made me love it. <clears throat> That's funny. You talk about McGuire cause, uh, I'm actually, like you said, I'm from the Bay area. So watching what, I mean, I didn't really watch him. I would say, cause I mean, yeah, he was, I was a kid when he was in Oakland. I mean, obviously he was in St. Louis later, but uh, yeah, I mean, those early childhood memories when I was just starting to get into baseball, definitely Mark McGuire was there. I kind of started watching more when it was like the big three, uh, Zito, Mulder, Hudson, uh, the Moneyball, the Moneyball A's. Those are the, I was I, I was at those games watching, uh, I remember like looking at the newspaper, like my sister would just grab it, like, did they win another one during their streak and all that? So, yeah, I mean, baseball, yeah. I mean, it's a good team that's never won. Good teams in the Oakland that have never won a playoff game or a playoff series until very recently. I mean, it's just been, it's just been bananas how bad they've been in the postseason. But, uh, yeah, no, Mark McGuire, man, that, that's that's a dude that uh, I remember. I know my dad for sure, like, because he saw all those games when he was in. Uh, um, so... When did you commit to St. Louis? At what what year in high school? Um, so that was <clears throat> they started recruiting me my junior year of high school, um, and it was funny because when they recruited me, they weren't actually there to see me that first day. Um, we were playing um, kind of like a powerhouse school in St. Louis at the time, playing against them, and so St. Louis was out to recruit some guys from that team. And I just so happened to have a really good game and I kind of got on their radar and we were kind of having conversations back and forth throughout my junior year. Um, And then I actually committed to St. Louis the very first day of school, my senior year. Were there any other colleges or universities that you were interested in or was St. Louis pretty much like you were going there? Uh, I had some other offers, nothing like crazy big, Um, but St. Louis was like, they made me feel like like they they obviously but they really made me feel like they wanted me like they mm-hmm. came to a bunch of my games they would talk to my family um i had the coaching staff come over to my house to like actually nice. give me the offer um and so like when i looked at everything else it was like okay this is a no-brainer like these guys they really went above and beyond and made me uh made me really feel like they wanted me there so it was, for me it was a no-brainer that's what's up. Um, and your college team, I mean, you had a pretty, you had a decent team. You had a couple guys who made it to pro ball. Um, Echo, Matt Eckelman, um, Hogan, Alex King, a couple of those guys all either in, you know, some form of the, of the minors. Uh, how, how good was your team? Oh uh, yeah, no, my, uh, my first three years, my freshman, sophomore, junior year. I mean, we, we were, we won the conference those three years. Um, and we had some really good dudes, like, like the, the guys you just listed, obviously were pro pro guys. 
Uh, James Norwood was another guy. He's, he's still playing. He was, uh, he's a big leaguer. Um, yeah, I mean, we were good, especially for being a, like a mid-major program. I, mm-hmm. I, every time we went out against those, you know, power five schools, I always felt like we had a, a good shot to beat them. And it was always, uh, it was always fun for sure. Yeah, dude. Uh, so Miller Olgan actually got drafted by the, by the Brewers, um, in the 32nd round. And then he said, no, I'm good. Went back to St. Louis and then ended up getting drafted in the sixth round the next year. So good for him. He's on the, he's at the Rays now. Um, I'm sure he's going to be an absolute stud for them. Like they develop pitching like nothing else. Yeah. Miller's a dude. He's uh, I actually, so I was a catcher my senior year of college and that was his freshman year. And I remember I caught his very first bullpen that he threw uh, on campus. And I went up to our, our coach and I was like, Hey, you know, I don't, you know, I'm new to catching, but that I felt like that was pretty good. And he looked he looked at me and he goes, That was the best bullpen I've ever seen a freshman throw in my life. Wow. Yeah. So he Miller's a dude. He's he's a good guy. And you know, all the guys that you named, like Eckelman, he's he was my roommate in college. Okay. Uh, Kinger, he's he's not playing anymore, but he was, you know, another great dude, another great teammate. So so you were you were a catcher. Like, what went into that decision to become a catcher? Because um, you didn't. Did you do that in high school as well, or did they just? Like, what was what was that about? No, I had never caught in my life, man. <laughs> uh, I was playing in New England, in New Hampshire, in the New England Collegiate League yeah. after my junior year, and I got a call from our coaches. Um, they were like, "Hey, uh, you know, what what would you think about catching next year?" I kind of thought they were joking. I don't know why I would think they were joking, but I was like, oh, what, are you, what are you talking about? I play yeah. third base for you every game that I've been here. Um, but we had one of my but one of my really good buddies uh, got drafted that year um, by the Dodgers, Jake Henson. And uh, he, he wasn't coming back. He was, he was signing for sure. Um, so that kind of left us, left us at a point where we only had one other catcher. So we needed another one. And um, my college coaches were like, Hey, you're kind of our, our best option to make that transition, you know, how do you feel? And I was like, well, let's do it. You know, I'm always up for a challenge. Let's uh, let's see what we got. And I'll tell you what, when I, uh, I was there in the fall that year catching for the first time, it was about as horrendous as you could imagine. Um, But but luckily, you know, our, one of our assistant coaches, Connor Gandasi, who's an assistant at Creighton now, uh, he's a catching guy and he's a freaking wizard. And he, if he Mm -hmm. could, turn me into a very average college catcher he can do just about anything because you know it was it was a tough tough start behind the plate but i actually grew into i i love the position it was so much fun and totally different aspect of the game and it was you know something i can say that i did which is cool so did did you were you like the primary catcher or did you play third base and then just like backup catcher whenever they needed it um, so I would catch one game on the weekends and then I'd catch midweek. So me and the other guy would split time behind the plate. Uh, and then I would actually play first just to kind of save, save the arm a little bit and, uh, and that whole thing. But, um, and it, it turned out, I ended up catching a whole lot more than I was anticipating because our, our other catcher got hurt a few times throughout the season. So there was probably two or three times where I had to catch double headers and then we're playing, we're playing two nines and I'm going 18 innings back there. Jeez. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the schedule schedule sake of it, I was, I would catch a midweek game for sure. And then maybe a game on the weekend. 
did you did you enjoy that more than like infield or did because i know it's a whole different dynamic obviously yeah no uh i enjoyed it obviously i did not enjoy the midweek games where they're four and a half hours long and you're at you know missouri state and it's 32 degrees outside Mm -hmm. um and they're just beating the crap out of you uh but no i i enjoyed it um yeah it's just such a different such a different view of the game i've played third base and first base my whole life and then to go back behind there and to you know you you're just in such a different position um it was cool it was more cool than anything yeah well that's awesome um so obviously um college after college you didn't get drafted um by, or signed um at, at that point did did quitting baseball ever cross your mind or you're just like no this is something i i know i'm supposed to do and you you know made it work out of the ways um yeah no i uh i i wouldn't say that uh quitting crossed my mind right then and there but i i knew for sure that it was going to be a tough road um just because I, I never i didn't expect to get drafted or signed after my senior year, uh, just based on the the season that I had. And I mean, I was, you know, I didn't have the greatest year and I knew that I had to really do something spectacular being at a mid major Mm -hmm. school. Um, but then I knew I had to get into indie ball somehow, if I ever wanted to get a shot to play affiliated baseball. Um, and that was the hardest part was getting into indie ball just because it was June at that time when my senior season concluded and, Mm -hmm. You know, indie ball starts in April, so there are they already have their team, they already got their guys, and so you got to hope to have a roster spot open up somewhere, and then you got yeah. three hundred other guys going for that spot. So it's like who right, can right. get there first? So, and you were able to get a spot there in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, no, it was I got lucky, man. I I tried out for probably five different teams in the Frontier League. Um, and nothing came about like they were big, like open workouts, moneymaker type events. Um, nothing happened, never got a call. And then I honestly was considering like, you know, I, I'm trying out for all these teams. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. I might, I might be done. Um, mm-hmm. not cause I want to be, but it's just, you know, nature of the beast. Right. Yeah. And I'm on my way home from one of those open workouts and my college coach texted me and said, Hey, uh, you got a you got a workout at River City tomorrow at 10 a.m. and River City just happened to be 15 minutes from my house, um, so I was like, okay, you know, if I'm gonna go into this, I'm if I don't make this team, I'm done. But like yeah. I told myself, I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the team. I I didn't mm-hmm. question it for a second, um, but it was just I got lucky. You know, they had a guy signed. They had a few injuries. Uh, they needed a third baseman, and I was like just happened to be a guy that they were like, okay, yeah, let's give this guy a shot. And, you know, the rest is history. You didn't tell them you were a catcher as well? I actually did. I caught a game. I did catch a game in Indy. Oh, okay. We had a couple guys banged up, and they knew I was a catcher in college. Yeah, and they were like, yeah, here you go. Here's the ball. Dude, that's incredible. Um, so, obviously, you go from there. You play in Mexico, um, which is incredible, because you're you're Mexican, I'm assuming. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm half Mexican, half Puerto Rican, but uh, okay. yeah. So how was how was the Mexican league, dude? It was it was insane, and like I say, insane in like the best way possible. Yeah. Um. So after my 2017 season in indie ball, um, I had a very o- okay year. I had good power numbers, um, but I was like, you know, 
240 hitter, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing good by any means. Um, but the, the team that signed me in Mexico, um, they were looking at indie ball guys and they were looking at indie ball guys with Mexican last names. Like that's where they were like starting their search. And cause I, I asked, I was like, how, how did you find me? And they were like, your last name. Um, I was like, okay, right on. And they asked if I had any lineage to Mexico and my grandfather was born in Mexico city. Um, so that kind of gave me the end to play as a Mexican player, as opposed to an import player. Oh, sure. Sure. So, cause, it, cause at the time, I don't know how it is now, but they would only get five, I think five or six mm. import players. Okay. And those are usually used for guys that have big league time or, you know, big prospects that, that got released. Um, so I was able to play as, as a Mexican player, even though I don't know any Spanish. I know a little bit now. <laughs> I was just going to ask you. <laughs> yeah. The, the Spanish is brutal. Uh, and I had only been to Mexico like one time beforehand on like a vacation in Cancun. So I'm a very, uh, mm-hmm. as they would call me down there, a fake Mexican, but I, I learned to yep, embrace yep. that. Uh, but it was, it was awesome, man. The, I mean, the environment of the games was like, you were at a concert every night, like even like a, like a, like a Wednesday afternoon game, they were freaking, it was bananas. Like the music, the the fans everything like everything that went into it was so much fun because um, I remember like when I got released from Mexico and came back to the U S to play my first game back I felt like I was at like a cemetery it was so quiet and that was like a normal game yeah but I was used to like you know in you you know you walk up to the plate you have your walk up music and then like pitch one goes by okay ball one and then your music starts playing again like after oh. every single pitch music is playing the whole time. You're saying you're saying walk up song, yeah, same walk up okay. song. Like you, li- you would hear it the whole at bat. Um, so it was just cool, like to hear music the whole game. You got drums, horns, all kinds of stuff. It was cool. What did you pick as your walk up song? Was it a I guess a Spanish song or what? What you got going on? No, I I actually went with uh, I can't remember what song, but it was a Nelly song. Just from being from St. Louis, I had to go yeah, with Nelly, yeah. and I thought it was going to be really cool at the time. And then I got down and realized nobody cares whatsoever no, about yeah. Nelly yeah, or they don't even know what it is so yeah it was a good idea when I left but then when I got there it wasn't very cool do you still keep that same mindset you got Nelly uh, bumping whenever you get to the plate nowadays uh no I actually go with uh Rage Against the Machine now okay that's fair I respect that I respect that yeah no it's it's like the total opposite of every other walk-up song that's in minor league baseball everybody's either got you know rap or reggaeton or a couple country songs every once in a while like nobody ever has like metal or like hard mm-hmm. rock um mm-hmm. my fiance absolutely hates hates my walk-up song but it's you know it works so i gotta keep it yeah yeah if it's, and you had an incredible minor league season i mean not you know gas you up a little bit like you had a uh, you were you were one of the better hitters in 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 the angel system as well as probably like the minors in general like you were you know you're doing well there how was the, the the travel in indie ball like the the lodging how was that and then compare that to like the mexican league like what was like how was what was the difference or was it pretty similar uh in mexico it was it was pretty good in mexico because i mean like that's like during the summer that's kind of their big league teams like that's their okay. league um so we were taken care of uh indie ball that's a grind and i mean uh, i mean like that is a grind uh yeah. the hotels we're in were you know not the best just, you know but 
I'm not one of those guys that like complain about travel and like, cause like, you know what you're getting into. It's indie mm-hmm. ball. Like, what do you expect? Do you think you're staying mm-hmm. at the Ritz? Um, I mean, there were a couple, like one story in particular that is just hilarious to me now, but at mm-hmm. the time I was like miserable. We played a home series in St. Louis. And then we had to drive after the game up to Washington, Pennsylvania, which is right outside of Pittsburgh. So that's like a 13 hour drive. We do that. We play three games in Washington, PA. We don't get our normally scheduled off day for that week. We go right from Washington to Traverse City, Michigan, which is another 14 hours or so. Jeez. And we get there at three in the morning and they have no idea that we're coming. Like, oh, we had no, like, and we're getting like a bus full of guys at four in the morning. And they're like, yeah, we'd have no rooms for you guys. Like, sorry, there's nothing we can do. And we're all just, uh, you know, I'm sure you can understand how we were feeling. So they give us like two rooms for the night. So we have 30 guys in two rooms, like everybody's sleeping on the floor. There's like five guys to a bed. And I remember waking up at seven in the morning because I'm like, all right, I can't sleep. This is brutal. I walk over like across like a highway to get to a Cracker Barrel. Uh, I go there. I have my breakfast and I I was by myself. I asked the waitress. I was like, because there's barely anybody in the restaurant. And I go, hey, do you care if I put my head down for a little bit and just kind of take a little nap? And she was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I woke up two, I woke up two hours later to her saying, okay, we got like a lunch rush. You might want to yeah. pay your tab and get out of here. I was like, all right, cool. Sounds good. Got up, left, and uh, played our three games, and that was that. Wow. Yeah, see, that's that's the that's the grind that is indie ball. Um, it's it's incredible. And was there a big difference? Did that prepare you then for like the minor leagues? Because the minor leagues is no joke either. The the bus rides are long, especially like in low A and high A. Like these, those are some long trips. Yeah, no, I mean, it just makes you be like, like helps you like get over that. You know, it's like okay, whatever. You know, regardless, we're gonna travel. The travel's gonna suck but we're going to play the game. So it's like, you can either complain about everything and be miserable or you can just embrace it. Like it's hard to embrace it. Like when it's happening all the time, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know what you're getting into and you know how it's going to be anyway. Um, So it definitely helps you just more or less. You're just used to it at that point. Did you ever travel in, in, in the minor leagues or even in indie ball, actually, to, to these cities? Because these teams are no, normally located in like smaller like rural cities. Did you ever go to these cities where you're like, where am I? <laughs> and I'm never coming back here again if I'm not playing baseball. Yeah, I would say probably 90% of the cities I've been to where I'm like, okay, cool. They have a baseball stadium and a, and a Denny's. That's great. Um, but yeah, no, I'd, I'd say probably 90% of the places I've been to in minor league baseball i have no intention of going back yeah what was what was worse like the low a or the the high a like were there any cities there that you're like this is like do you have any examples of like some crazy stories of like where where am i like these i'm in the middle of nowhere uh so in low a it wasn't too bad i mean we were in we were in california and all this this you know it was it was all good really i mean there wasn't too bad a travel. And then the, the, te- the, the games where we did travel a lot, like from San Bernardino to like San Jose, like San Jose is a nice area. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, and then in high A, I was, I was only, I only played seven games. And then we went to Spokane 
and I was having a great series. I'd homered back-to-back nights, and then I got COVID. So then I got COVID, and I was stuck in Spokane for 10 days in a hotel room by myself. So, like, that sucked, but that was the only place I traveled to because I got called up, like, the last month of the season. Okay. That's not that bad. Did you ever have any, like, weird fan fan interactions? Because uh, I know in those stadiums, the fans are, like, on top of you, like, the way they're just set up and everything. Uh, no, I'm actually one of those guys, though, like – I, I embrace the fans, like, especially when they're talking trash. I love it. Because, um, like, when I hear them, like, ripping on me when we're on the road, I'll, like, feed into it. Um, so, like, if I'm on deck and a guy's wearing me out, like, oh, yeah, you're over two with two punch-outs, I'll be like, yeah, dude, I, I know. I'm, I'm with you. Help me out. Give me some pointers. And then yeah. they'll be, like, so shocked that I responded to them that then they're, like, cheering for me. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, haven't had any t- – too many bad interactions with fans more so funny than anything what were some have you had any like what are some of the good chirps that you've been told like obviously like you strike out you got a couple punch outs like have you ever is there any good ones that you've heard you're like wow i gotta respect that like that was pretty good oh man i've heard some i've heard some good ones i'm trying to think about last year there was a bunch of drunk when we were playing at lake elsinore it was like dollar beer or $2 beer night or something. Um, and there were some college guys there who were absolutely hammered and they were right on the first baseline and I was playing first. They weren't like saying anything crazy, but they were just so hammered drunk that I was like entertained for like seven straight innings. Like these dudes were absolutely killing me. Um, and we were in, we were in Stockton one night. And there was there was one guy there. He might have been with his dad or like a buddy or something. And he was absolutely wearing us out. Um, but I, I can't remember anything he was saying. But he was like he was like a troll that like you see on Twitter, mm-hmm, like a mm-hmm. guy where it's like, dude, you you're like the live version of a Twitter troll right now. Jeez. So he was he was fun. Like you, you, if you give him shit back, it's like mm-hmm. everybody's everybody lightens up. It's fun. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like, I don't know how you do it. Like, I would, I would, it would be hard for me to fight the urge just to not chirp back at him, you know. Uh, I've chirped like, back at a couple people. I, I, I'm not super proud of it, but, you know, I've, I've chirped back at a couple people. It, it happens, man. It happens. It, it happens. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to do what you got to do, though, right? You got to do what you got to do. Um, so when you got to the Angels organization, like how I know, obviously, they you were almost in coaching or you were a coach for like a split second. And then they, they got you in the Angels organization. Like, what was that whole like feeling like, you know, like finally, like all this like grind and hustling finally coming to like fruition? And I'm, a, you know, a pro baseball player now. No, it was, it was wild, man. I, I, I haven't really even taken a minute to like comprehend how it, how it actually happened. But after my 2019 season in indie ball, um, I had a great, great year individually. And then our team won the league and it was like the last year for the team before the the team folded. Um, so I was like, you know, I'm going to go out on top. I've been playing indie ball for four years. I'm, I'm 25, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I think I'm going to get into coaching now. And so I was the volunteer assistant at my, at my college at St. Louis um, for like about a month, month or two. 
And then I was hired on at a junior college just south of St. Louis uh, as the head assistant there. And probably a week in, not even a week, I would think I was like officially going to sign the papers to be the head coach the next morning is when Mm -hmm. the Angels called me that night before and, and offered me a contract. And was that completely like out of the blue? Like, were you kind of in contact with them or it just completely surprised you? Like, whoa, like. No. So okay. it's, it's a funny story. So when me and my fiance started dating, I like the weekend before our second date, I was at a wedding for a really good friend of mine. And at the time I was getting a bunch of uh, like telemarketers calling me. So okay. I was just ignoring and ignoring and ignoring everything. And then one of them left me a voicemail, but I didn't. I didn't listen to it. Um, so then fast forward a little bit to Monday, I'm going to pick her up for a date and I'm on my way down and I get a call from a number. Don't recognize it. So I ignore it thinking it's a telemarketer. But then for whatever reason, I was like, you know what? That number is the number that left me a voicemail. I'm going to go check that out. So I hit my voicemail and it was Andrea LaPointe at the time, who's now with the Dodgers. But it was her calling me, and she goes, hey, this is Andrea uh, with the Los Angeles Angels. And I immediately hung up. I was like, oh, shit. I need to call that number back. <laughs> yeah. But for whatever reason, I was, like, in coach mode. So I'm thinking, oh, this could be, like, a coaching opportunity. That's That would be sick. And I call her back, and I was like, hey, uh, sorry for missing your call. Sorry for ignoring you, first off, because I thought you were a telemarketer. She's like, oh, no, that happens more often than you'd think. Um, but I was just calling to see, to gauge her interest on playing next year. And I was like, playing? What do you mean? And she was like, playing baseball. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, yeah, yeah. If, you're, if you're offering something, I'll, yep, of yep. course I'm interested. And she was like, well, we're not offering anything yet, but we just kind of wanted to gauge your interest. I was like, okay, cool. So like three weeks go by. I haven't heard anything. And... I am taking my fiance to the airport because she's from Los Angeles and I'm taking her to the airport to go home for Christmas. It's like 10 o'clock at night, drop her off. I'm driving home and I'm in my head. I'm thinking, you know what? That was really cool that the angels decided to reach out, but you know, I need to focus on my coaching career because I've kind of had one foot in one foot out thinking like, Oh, am I going to play? Am I going to coach? What am I going to do? So that's cool and all, but I just need to focus. I don't even want him to call me back. Two seconds later, I'm not even kidding you, my phone rings, and it was Andrea. And it's like 10.30 at night, and she's like, hey, sorry for the late call, but we actually want to offer you, officially want to offer you a contract. I was like, all right, hell yeah, let's, shit, let's do it. You know, Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. I'm supposed to have an HR meeting tomorrow for four hours to be an assistant coach, so I'd rather be playing anyway. Yeah. And then, uh, then, you know, rest is history. How soon afterwards did you have to report after... uh... After all that, that was that was like mid December, and then we were going to report like that first week of March of twenty twenty. Okay, so you had you had some time. You didn't have to like rush off. A little bit of time, but it was like, oh shit, I got to get back in shape, baseball shape. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Have the Angels made you catch at all? Or you're no. just pretty much you trashed that now. You're just yeah. I, I I you know I always let them know like, hey, if an emergency comes up, like I can get back there. Um yeah. But no, it's that's definitely not. I hope it's not an option ever. <laughs> yeah, obviously, like you talked about your age. Obviously, you were one of the older, if not the oldest player, like in the organization. But was there anybody who maybe had been there a couple of years already and kind of like showed you the ropes a little bit in the in the minor leagues? 
Um, so for me, it was, I was definitely the, in low A, I was definitely the oldest player in our, I'm pretty sure I was the oldest player in the league. Um, and then high, I was the oldest guy on the team. I don't know if I was the oldest guy in the league or not. Um, but no, I mean, it was kind of funny because like all the younger guys who they were asking like me for help just because I had played indie ball for four years. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've kind of been, I played the Mexican league. Um, so no, I mean, nobody really showed me the ropes, but it, like, it's no different from indie ball to the Mexican league to affiliated ball. It's all baseball. You're all doing the same thing. It's just a different, mm-hmm. you know, it's a different layout basically like you're an indie ball like you don't have a like that's your team that's it you're not getting called up mm-hmm. you're not getting sent down right um, right same with the mexican league like that's your team like the only difference with affiliated ball is like now you have the chance to make it to the big leagues but like you can also go up down whatever um so no it was more so like if any like especially being in low a with so many young guys like i was just trying to help mm-hmm. them out as much as i could no, for sure. Um, and what what are some of the goals that you're going to be working on? Because obviously, starting now, we're hoping we're we're hoping to start in Double A. We're hoping uh, we're hoping I'm hoping you get through all, all the way to Triple A, bro. Because like I mean, like you you tore up you tore up the league. Like you know, I know you're humble and all that, but you you were one of the better hitters. Yeah. No. I mean, for me, like you said, like I want to definitely start in double a at at the least and you know work my way up i mean it's for me coming from my situation like being an indie ball guy and being older like i'm not naive like i'm not stupid you got to prove yourself Mm -hmm. you got to go out there and you got to do it uh and you got to do it every single day you can't you can't be an up and down wishy-washy type type player you got to go out there every single day and do it and that's not to like put pressure on myself but it's just how it is like you got to go out there you got to perform if you want to move you got to be on the field every day and you got to perform. That's that's basically my goal is to be on the field as as much as possible and to perform. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I hope you make it to the majors. I'm going to cheer for you. You're my guy now. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to watch you play in the majors here, but uh at at, at my heart, I'm an Oakland A's fan. So, obviously, obviously the same division. Um I I'm going to be a Braxton fan. But I don't know if I could be an Angels fan. But I mean, how do you feel about being in that? So, sorry, go ahead. I said, hey, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take that. Yeah, for no, for sure, for sure. How do you feel being in a, in a on a team or in the organization though? With like dudes like Trout. Um, obviously, they have a ton of Shohei Otani, a ton of guys on that on that on that organ in in the organization. No, I mean it's it's sick. I mean, you got some of the most talented dudes in the world mm-hmm. on one team. Um, I, I have never had the chance to meet any of those guys. Obviously, if, if I do get the chance to, I just want to pick their damn brains and just like see yep. them see them play the game that I've been playing, but at an insanely higher level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's sick. I think, you know, obviously, I, I think there's some of the talent, most talented dudes in the league. Um, hopefully they can, you know, find a way to, to keep climbing and, and make a postseason run. Um, but it's cool. Like to have the, that, that many talented guys on one, one team is yeah. special. I respect that. I respect that. All right. I want to, I want to change subjects now before we kind of, before we end here. Um, you, how many dogs do you have? You have three. Um, so me and my fiance have one. Okay. But then my mom has two dogs. So okay. they, they all hang out and, 
So basically three, but we actually have gotcha. just one. All right, and uh, so your dog has an Instagram, right? It does, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I was snooping today. I was snooping on your Instagram, and I saw the dog, and I'm like, man. So my dog has an Instagram. I haven't updated it in, like, a long time, but, like, yeah. I did it, and I'm like, okay, this is cool, and then I kind of got over it. I'm like, this is, like, I don't have time to do this, but, dude, no, your dog looks like the coolest dog in the world, like, just the chillest. Like, yeah, I'm, no, I'm, he, uh it's actually his birthday today he, he turned two today Dang. um wow. but yeah no he is he is obviously i'm a little biased but he is the most chill dog in the world and i feel like that's the case because we got him like right when covid started so like it was hands-on like we was we were with him all day every day so like the, we were able to train him perfectly and he's just you know everybody says it's about their dog but he's 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 the man I respect that. No, I respect that. Does he get along with well with other dogs though? Because I know like uh, my brother in law has a dog, and they got him around the, got her around COVID as well, and she never went out like and met and saw other dogs. So now she's just scared. She's scared of the dogs. <laughs> oh no, he he. I've never seen him meet a dog or a human that he doesn't like. Um, but what was great about that is when Samantha took her job at St. Mary's in Moraga. So she took Murphy with her. And so there's all kinds of dog parks out there, Walnut Creek. So she would take him to the dog parks, like take him into work, like mm-hmm. take him to the grocery store, everything. That dude, that little dude is out there doing everything. So he's always been around people and dogs. So he gets along with everybody. I got to ask Murphy, Murphy Lee. Is there a connection? No, it was actually after Mike Murphy from uh, okay, okay. Survivor. Yeah. But Murphy Lee's good though. Yeah, he's St. Louis too, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's St. Louis. Man, that that brings me back to like, oof, like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Uh-huh. Some of the, oh, yeah, some of the better music that I don't, I feel like they don't have much of that nowadays. But uh, no, they don't. It's a shame. That's true. That's true. Sometimes I'll go back and just like reminisce. Like, you know, all those, you got to, you got to have to have a playlist just for that. Well, hey, uh, I want to, I want, oh, you know, hey, what do you do when you're not playing? Let me ask you that. Like, when you're not playing baseball, what, you're not a, you're a gamer, semi gamer. Are you a golfer? Like, what do you, go, I, okay, so gaming, I will play, but I'm, and everybody that plays with me knows I'm trash, but I'm there for a good time, comedic relief. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to support, support the boys when we're playing. Yep. Yep. Um, I love to golf. Also very average, if not to a little below average, but I, I'm always, always down for a good time. Um, I like to fish. Um, wouldn't classify myself as a good fisher, but would love to do it. So honestly, for me, it's anything like just laid back, like leisure activities, you know, just to, ch- just to like to chill out a little bit. Yeah. So when you, when you, when you, uh, for, uh, you're a PlayStation guy, what do you, what do you play? Call, you call of duty, call of duty, uh, do Fortnite? Um, I, MLB. I usually, usually play call of duty. I'll play some MLB, um, call of duty. I'm really bad at, and I always blame it on like other people like cheating, even though I know it's just, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Who's, if, we, we, that's how I feel about MLB. Yeah. I just, I'm like, Oh, they gotta be cheating, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I'll play Call of Duty, MLB. Um, that's really about it. I'll play some PGA on there every mm-hmm. once in a while, which is the most frustrating game ever. So I don't know why I play it, but it's fun. 
I respect that. I respect that. And like I said, like I was messaging you earlier, we got to get some some uh, caught in, you know, squad up some of the boys. Have to. I'm always down yeah. for that. Yeah. Just, so just don't you... rely on me to do anything. It's all good. Don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not the I'm not the greatest. I'm I'll, I'm not the greatest, but uh, like you said, it's fun, comedic relief. Uh, it's relaxing, you know, just kind of chilling, uh, supporting the boys in a, you know, just tr- try not to be a, the weak link as, as, as much as possible. Um, when did you get a report day yet or no? I know you haven't, you we were talking about that earlier. No, we, no, we actually Man. have not gotten a report day yet, which is really? crazy. I know a lot of other, I know a lot of guys I know who are other teams are they're, they're they've got their, their report dates. Some of them headed out already. That's crazy. They haven't even set that up yet. Hopefully, hopefully soon. I'm, I'm expecting yeah. it to be soon. Wow. Well, hey, I want to thank you for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. Uh, enjoy talking to you. We'll have to do this again sometime. Uh, I'm going to be watching you play. Like I said, I mean, I'm a Braxton guy now. and Can't can't say I'm an Angels fan. I'll support them when you play. I hope you do well. There we <laughs> but, go. Uh, I, I, I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, yeah but we definitely got to do it again. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, brother. You have a good rest of your night, man. All right, man. You too. See ya. I appreciate it. Yep. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.